0: one ghost two girls one ghost but more importantly well also that's corinne i'm sabrina but hi we have news hi oh my gosh we're going on tour the biggest news we're i i just spit
1: it out we're on tour we're going on tour we're on tour we're going on tour we're going on tour we're getting in our little scooby-dooby bus and we're going on tour we're going on tour we're gonna see all the ghosts and you i'm so excited yes we're going to i think
0: it was like 33 cities 32 yeah 32 over 30
1: Over Over 30 30 cities. From September 7th all the way through November what? Something. I don't even know. But it's unreal. We were like, when else will we ever get the opportunity to do something like this? To go to this many cities at once. So it's incredible. We're so stoked. Hopefully it goes really, really well and we get to do it again. But we're going to post
0: in our YouTube video right now our whole tour agenda, our list, our venues, our dates, our locations. Tickets are on sale now. Um, Can we link in
1: YouTube? I don't know. Link in in bio? Link on our website? It's on our website. If you look at live shows, that tab on our website, you can get tickets to every single different show. You can access the tickets there. We also have merch. So you can buy it at the venue, which we've never done before. I know. Or you can pre-buy Yes. on our website and wear it to the show when you come.
0: You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? We're so excited. Thank you to Macy who designed our merch for us. Mm-hmm. At this point, people know it's Conjuring, right? So we went to the Conjuring yeah. house. We will not share <laughs> anything more because we know nope. the whole show is about our experience. We've done a lot of research. We've interviewed a ton of people. We're putting together a really, really cool Fun, spooky, it's gonna be a
1: really fun show. We can't wait to share it with all of you. We always talk about going on a haunted road trip and all of these really specific places that we're so interested in visiting. And so we're viewing this as like the first stop, the first official time that we get to do everything we wanted to do on a haunted road trip stop, which is essentially what we did because we went in between our New Brunswick and Portland, Maine show. So when we were tucked away in the farmette petting chickens, that was for comfort because we'd just gone to the I mean, house. Also,
0: I feel like chickens are little dinosaurs. So it was only not only comfort, it was like kind of time travel. It was
1: very fun. It was. Yeah. We experienced a lot. We did. So come to our show, hang out with us. There's meet and greets at certain shows as well where the venues would allow it. Yep. So get those. If you're curious if you wanna if you wanna if you're curious about like who we are our-
0: <laughs> Skin, touch our skin. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to give us your nails or your teeth, bring bring them to the meet and greet. Hold hands. <laughs> <laughs> um, we also, what I'm so excited about, Corinne, is not only do we get to meet our phantoms and do a tour, but you and I are gonna go to haunted places
1: along. Like we're gonna do our haunted road trip along the way, wherever we can squeeze things in, we will. So now that everyone knows where we're going please send us recommendations for all of those cities. What are the haunted places? What are the haunted eateries? Where should we stay? All of that information, we need it from all of you.
0: What if people are like, come stay with me and we just bunk with our phantoms? Oh, we just we bunk with our phantoms.
1: <laughs> no, the, those are the most haunted places. <laughs> I'm not staying with a single person who listens to this podcast. Not after the emails that we get, hell no. <laughs> Also, oh, look at your cup. Sabrina, you're leaning. You're a blue and white porcelain girl now and I love it so much. Mm-hmm. I also have
0: a different type of um carafe today and it has little like etchings. Oh, wow. Was this a was that like a wine bottle turned yes, water jug? And yes. then I also have my alien. <laughs> wow.
1: I like <laughs> you're barely reaching for these things. They're all just right there in your vicinity. Oh,
0: I planned I set up my whole, basically, I could sit here all day and never leave, unless I had to go to the bathroom, of course, because I have all of my necessities. I am excited because I'm going to record from different locations pretty much every time we sit, set up and record because there are so many spots that I'm... Do you want to talk about your... My cottage? Your,
1: your cottage?
0: Okay. So I moved into this beautiful cottage in Santa Monica I can't believe it exists everyone who's come over is like I didn't know something like this existed in Los Angeles I re-watched your
1: Instagram stories a hundred times <laughs> because it doesn't look real it is it's a movie unreal set. it is Sandra Bullock practical magic it is honey from Matilda yes. it is so incredibly warm and beautiful mm-hmm. it looks like a set it's so I,
0: gorgeous I texted you Corinne and I said I would like this to be my final resting place yeah. Sadly, I'm technically only here for 2 months. It's a short-term lease, but Leia really likes it. There's a whole like courtyard <laughs> and a pond and like critters. There's a papaya tree growing above my little patio. Oh my god. What else? There's an attic that if I did get to stay here, I would turn it into like a movie like theater room. Yes. And just get a yes. ton of comfy little seats. It looks so seats. perfect for that. It's so fun.
1: You like basically could crawl up the ladder to the attic almost cuz it's so steep. And there's just the green, the green tile is beautiful. So beautiful. That will be, um, you know, I'll set
0: up there next time. And I'm really leaning into like florals and eucalyptus and greenery and plants. And it was built in 1908. So it's a pretty old spot. And I have only good vibes from here. It is just homey and lovey, lovey, lovely. There's a a
1: skylight in the bathroom, Ugh, which... It's beautiful. Instantly good vibes if there's a skylight in the bathroom. Oh,
0: yeah. The attic would also be perfect for a seance. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. Next time I'm out there, yeah, we'll do
1: it. Okay. Speaking of a seance, we did one on Campfire Story. We did. We did. Well, we didn't. No, we watched. We watched.
0: <laughs> Emma. We <laughs> watched Emma. We watched Emma. So Emma and basically her entire apartment complex lives in a building that is haunted and almost everyone has experienced something. And so they did a séance and a Ouija board. You can go back and rewatch it if you're a Patreon donor in any tier. But Emma still hasn't like told us what happened after we signed off. So
1: Right. Because we the activity to it took a while to warm up and then the spirits were yeah. starting to to give some information which we Mm -hmm. shouldn't talk about all the information until we hear how the night ended. The rest of it Basically, it was starting to warm up. There was some skeptics at the table that I do think were turning into believers because there were some reactions like, oh, oh, As the plan. People were getting nervous. Moving, yes. Yeah, and so a few of us were pulling cards and doing our pendulums and doing things alongside the seance. And it seemed to be a consensus amongst the spirit world that once we stopped watching on live, they would get a lot more activity, which they got plenty while we were watching. So much. So we're curious. We basically were like, okay, bye. And they're like, bye. And they're like still at the table with the planchette when we last left them. So we don't know what happened to Emma and her crew. Also, I don't know what's happened to us because you and I have been... I know. I'm kind of... I play a Ouija board right now. I'll be honest. I know. I'll be honest. (laughs) Me too. I, I, I don't know what
0: happened to us. I am glad you and I made this shift together and I don't know how
1: it happened. But I don't know either. I I have a draw. Did something happen to us maybe at the Conjuring house? Is this when the transition happened? What if we do it at the live show? I actually had this thought come into my head the other day. And the reason we will not do it at the live show is because there's going to be so many people in those seats that want nothing to do with it. So we can't subject them to it. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like we're going to find some time, some place where we, in some capacity, do it again. Again, as in, I did it when I was eight and I'll do it again. But Sabrina will do it for the first time. I've never done it. Okay. So we'll probably be doing a Ouija board at some point in the future. Well, we're coming up on our sixth year anniversary of podcasting. So maybe it's just we've done it. Maybe this is a natural transition. Wait, Corinne. <laughs> oh, episode. no. Are you supposed to say for? <laughs> no. I planted a seed we can't how do we do it when we're not together oh i don't know right ah i I I don't know (laughs) okay fine Should i use my pendulum and you get some dowsing rods and we just try to do something while we're together i don't know we'll figure it out
0: we should do something for that episode but i also feel like we are gonna be together for so long yeah we should try
1: there's gonna be some Ah, activity i'm sure
0: i think something's possessed me or us i do have a ghost story it's not mine. It's not my personally, but our okay. friend Nandy lives in a building in Manhattan Beach. So he texted me and was like, I think I was visited by the guy who lived here for 25 years and died the night I moved into the other unit. And I was like, wait a second, what? <gasps> oh my God, what? For some context, when he moved into this complex for the first time, it was on his birthday and this man passed away that night and oh died in this in a different unit in the apartment building. So then this past weekend, Nandy moved into the apartment in the same complex, but where the man had passed away. And so he texted me and said, I think the guy who lived here for 25 years and died the night I moved in to the other unit came and visited around 10 p.m. last night. I heard someone walking around the apartment and the light was flickering on in the hallway. It flickered twice and I was in bed. All of the lights were off. He seemed like a friendly ghost, but yeah, he literally died in the room I sleep in
1: now. I just, I have chills all over my body. I'm sure it is. Right? It has like to be. That guy stayed there for so long. 25 that years. House, that apartment is a part of him. So I feel like it's only natural for him once he... Whether he, like, figured things out on the after, afterlife side and is going back to just, like, see who's there or or take a final visit before he fully moves on. I don't know the reason for him coming back, but I would not be surprised at all if he made himself known a few more times. It was the night that,
0: that Nandi moved in, too. So, like, that makes sense to me. If I were a ghost, I would be like, hmm, who's this new guy? And just want
1: to check them out see how things are going i feel like stuff like that happens when people first move into homes that there's a lot of activity in the beginning until spirits start to understand that these people are here to stay and i feel like the activity almost dissipates more like goes away a bit more quickly when people just explain who they are and why they're there so i'm curious of nandy what nandy's response was did you ask him I just think he was like
0: he's had so many experiences. I feel like we should have Nandy on. He has so many things, but I don't want to share all of them because some of them are personal. But anyway, yeah. He's very in tune and open to all of that and grew up with like energy healers and stuff. So I think he was just like, "Okay, I I understand who this is and what's going on. Totally fine." And then I asked if he's had anything happen since and he said it's been quiet. So Maybe it really was just like a,
1: hey, what's going on? Checking you out. You're good. Cool. Okay, bye. I can't remember where he lived when he was in college, but if if he was in the house that I think I remember him being in, that house was super haunted and they basically had to bring someone over to bless slash exercise the house. I didn't know this. I'm almost certain. I forget what the name was called. Should I it ask? Was, yeah. Ask him, ask him if he was in that new build- house that was over by Trader Joe's. I forget what we called it, but it was newly built. There were two houses, both houses from the same fraternity, which I won't give too much information because uh, we're going to hide Nandy's <laughs> full identity. But there were two houses that were next to each other that the same fraternity boys, men lived in. And I'm pretty sure he was in one of those ones. It was super haunted. People were getting their posters that were thumbtacked into the wall, just like ripped, like not just fallen, like ripped off. Like there were wild things happening. Oh, okay. I just texted. It said, Corinne
0: just brought up a haunted house you lived in in college that needed to be blessed. Is that true? Was this you? What happened? The podcast fans need to know.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if he was in the house at the time, but I, I can at least name two people that did live in that house. But I thought that he had moved in at some point, either after the fact or during. Stay tuned. At some point in this episode, we will get a response. Also, one more thing real quick before we get into the episode. So many people tagged me in this specific episode of the podcast, Spooked. It's Snap Judgment Presents Spooked. And it's probably at this point like three episodes back. It's called Out of Body. And I listened to it and I was blown away.
0: Because it's like your experience.
1: Yes. So if you listen to the Corinne special part, No, not even.
0: I think we've mentioned it a bunch of times. I just don't know
1: where. Yeah. So basically like the quick snapshot is for the past 10, 15 years of my life, I always remembered this one ghost experience that happened a few times throughout two years of my life where this woman would approach me and stroke my hair in my childhood bedroom when I was going through a tough time and it was very comforting. always thought it was a ghost. Flash forward to around Easter when I'm home in Vermont... I catch a glimpse of myself in the mirror in this exact spot where this woman used to always come from. And I'm like, holy shit, I look exactly like that woman that I used to see when I was younger. So I was thinking, like, is it me somehow in the future? I don't understand. This episode of Out of Body or of Snap Judgment called Out of Body is unreal. It totally spooks me even more listening to it. But basically... In this episode, which everyone should go listen to, this woman talks about how she had this man that would approach her from her closet when she was young and he would really scare her. But one day, this woman came in and told her not to open her eyes and then basically taught her over time how to astral project, which she's been doing for her entire life. So now she's, I'm going to guess like 45. She's moved on, family, kids of her own, not thinking about that, but still can astral project. And she had this thought, oh, I should see if I can actually project to my old home, like to my childhood, if it's possible to like go through the timeline. And she found herself standing in her childhood bedroom. She saw herself. And then she saw this man coming from the closet. She walks up to herself in bed and says to not open her eyes. And it's like the same exact thing she heard when she was a kid. And then that was her realization when she said it, that it was her. And then so she, her future self, teaches her younger self how to astral project. <sighs> what is time? I don't understand.
0: What if I was the one, in my experience, remember how I felt a presence in my doorway that was beckoning me to follow it?
1: Yeah. What if, what if I if was he, my own presence? And even when someone said, wake up. Remember someone told you That to was wake a up? male voice though. Oh, even so, it's a, it does make you question who was at the other end of your paranormal experiences. So everyone should listen to that episode. I got a response. What did Nandy say? He said, did I? What house was this? Might have been a
0: different person. And so I think it was someone else. Well, which house did he live in? I don't know, but it wasn't him. He said he did have a trippy experience at his last apartment where his stepdad got pushed back against a wall when confronting a spirit.
1: See how many ghost stories are just within our proximity. It's like when people say, there's always a spider within seven feet of you. There's always a ghost story too. You just have to ask. Just ask, are you haunted? People have them. I have a story to tell everyone today. It's kind of dark. So I'm gonna give a trigger warning right now, but uh, it's an important story. And I think it's one that a lot of us don't know about, but it has circled us in our lives for decades. Okay, so now we're going to set the scene, please. The sun has long set and the children are sleeping in their beds. The babysitter is sitting in the living room. Her body relaxed so deeply into the couch, she's barely visible. The only sound in this large, empty house is the low hum of the television. The near silence is interrupted by a startling ring of the landline. This was many years ago because there's a landline. She props herself up, moving swiftly to the telephone to answer before another we- before another ring wakes the kids. Perhaps it's the parents letting the babysitter know that they're on their way home, so she holds the phone to her ear, and the stranger breathes heavily into the receiver. The babysitter hangs up, assuming potentially a prank phone call. She moves back to the couch and resumes her position, grabbing the remote and turning the volume up a few notches. Just as her focus settles completely on the TV... The phone rings again Mm-mm. she once again pushes herself up from the couch to answer the phone and this time there's a hysterical laughter that <gasps> pierces her ears and the same voice of this stranger calls out with an ominous warning have you checked on the children the babysitter's stomach twists and panic starts to rise in her chest the energy shifts in the house and the silence no longer feels peaceful but threatening she's now alert and aware of every creak in the house, every rattle of the windows from the wind outside. Perhaps this is not just a prank phone call. She hangs up and calls the operator and is directed to the police. The police say if she receives another call to keep the caller talking and they will trace the call. Hanging up, the babysitter now hovers tensely over the phone, waiting for another call. Seconds tick by, no call. Her eye catches her reflection in the window and her heart just about stops. She really wishes she'd closed the curtains earlier that evening. Ah! As anticipated, the phone finally rings again. It's the same caller. I'm upstairs with the children. You'd better come up. She tries to do as instructed. She tries to keep him on the phone. Hello? Who is this? Where are you? Is this a prank? Why are you doing this? Click. The caller's hung up. But just as quickly as the call ends, does the phone ring once more? A different voice on the line this time. It's the operator who she'd called minutes before. In a rushed voice, they said, get out of the house. The call's coming from inside the house. And this is the urban legend that we've likely all heard throughout our childhood, right? And the movie, When a Stranger Calls. So many movies. Yes. When a Stranger Calls. um, Halloween. Scream. Yeah. Which is really what got me thinking about it because I watched Scream the other day on the on the plane. The newest scream. The newest scream. Mm -hmm. Yes. But I've I've watched all the screams. And so I was just thinking about this. And I was just like, where where does this trope come from? Where does this theme come from in all of the horror movies? And so I looked up when a stranger calls and kind of like the history behind that. And this is when I found out that this story is not just an urban legend that was created and then inspired all these movies. This is a story that is fairly true. And it is the story of eighth grader Janet Crispman. It makes me so
0: sad that it's based off of a true story, but also makes a lot of sense. And I think, I mean, this is why it's such a, terrifying horror movie or urban legend is because it's so realistic. And we've all, even if you're not a babysitter, we've all been home alone. We've all been terrified. We've all heard the creaks and the cracks in our home when we're alone. And it's like that it, it there is this ominous feeling of like, what if I'm not alone? And then to add on top of it this responsibility of taking care of children in a place that's unfamiliar and someone messing with you in this way. And then, like, you think of, you know, Golden State Killer and all these serial killers who are sneaking in and playing games and manipulating, and it's just so disturbing. It's so scary.
1: And I feel, I mean kids are afraid of the dark. They're afraid of strangers. They're afraid of monsters. And really babysitters for the most part are kids watching kids. So of course these are, yeah, fears coming through. There's the potential of actual predators. And then if we do want to add on some some extra context to this time, the, the urban legend that was inspired by this actual case happened in the 1950s. And in the 1950s, there were a few things going on, right? It was it this was a scary story that for one could be a story used against like oh women these women these 13 year old girls aren't actually ready for the responsibility of bearing children and and taking care of a house and all that sort of stuff like this is their test run to being a, a woman and an adult and then also on the flip side these are still kids but they are girls and they're trying to work and make some money. And so this was another thing that was trying to almost discourage girls from having some responsibilities and some autonomy and, and some independence away from their own families and just providing for themselves a little bit. So there was a lot of other stuff that was adding into, I guess, the the fueling the fire of this urban legend. I do think it's interesting. Urban
0: legends are often... Baked in or inspired by reality, but then you also have to consider, like you're saying, the time period in which it was created, um, and what was going on and could have influenced it.
1: Did you babysit growing up? Uh, a few times. Probably oh. less than 10. Less than five, honestly. Oh. Most likely. Okay. Yeah. I was, it like was too a, scary.
0: I was a hardcore babysitter. Like really? You weren't scared at night? I passed flyers out in my neighborhood. I wow. was a little
1: entrepreneur. I, yeah, I was a babysitter. Gosh, I passed flyers out saying, stop calling me. I'm too scared to sit alone in your house at night.
0: <laughs> what the hell? I also babysat in college. That was my thing. But I, I will say When a Stranger Calls is maybe one of my favorite horror movies in the sense that like, it is so terrifying. And I have after watching that movie, decided I do not want a house with that many windows. I think it's so
1: terrifying. It's so scary. Or you can have the windows, but have blinds and have sensors on every single window. So if something breaks, if something is open, you get the alert, you get the chime. Sensors work, but I think I'd opt out of all the windows. Yeah. I opt out of any nighttime window that doesn't have curtains drawn just because the reflection of myself is so scary. (laughs) I'm not into that. There's that old ADT commercial that scarred me when I was 10 where she's like downstairs because she heard a creak and she looks to her front door and there's just like a man standing there in the window. And I was like, hell no, I'm never going to look in a window ever again in my life. Okay. So this is the true story behind the urban legend called The Babysitter and the Man Upstairs, which we've seen time and time again in various movies. But here's the real story. March 1950, Columbia, Missouri. Eighth grader Janet Chrisman was asked to babysit for a local family named the Romax. There was a dance party that evening, and many of her classmates were going to attend, but 13-year-old Janet opted to make some extra cash by babysitting that evening. Easter was coming up, and she was really hoping to... She'd been saving up money and was hoping that this babysitting job would basically like get her to the point where she could finally purchase this burgundy suit that she had really Aww. wanted to purchase to wear for Easter. So again, she was having some independence and she was like working to get some of the things that she loved. And so that's why she was like, of course. And, and she was a seasoned babysitter. Like this was her thing too. Just like it was yours, Sabrina. She would babysit. She'd get referrals from other people. She'd babysat a bunch of different families. So Janet accepts the job. She's like, great. This will be easy. She She's the oldest. So she had a younger sibling and she also had a sibling that was a newborn baby. So she was like babysitting Zabris. I can babysit a child of any age. Like I've got this. So Her father, Charles, drives her to the house that night, and it's on a quiet, isolated, tree-lined house on the outskirts of Columbia. He drops her off at 7.30 p.m. When Janet arrived at the Romax house that night, their three-year-old boy, who she was babysitting, he was already asleep, and the parents had turned the radio on in his room. So they were like, he's going to be fine. He very likely won't wake up. Just, you know, watch the house, hang out. You can turn the TV on. He's got a radio on. He likely won't hear you moving about. You'll be fine. So she's like, great, easy, easy peasy babysitting job. Here's one thing that I don't know if this is normal for the 1950s or if perhaps this was because the family knew Janet really well, what their relationship was, if it was because the family had just recently moved to this isolated house and there was some nervousness. I'm not sure. But here's what happened. The father, Ed Romack, taught Janet how to use their gun for protection Before leaving, he's like, here's how to use it. Should anything transpire?
0: I mean, the only reason I would think that's normal is if this is like the first time
1: they've left their kid alone and they're nervous. Which actually, I have no idea how many times she's babysat for them before. But I do know that it had been a very long stretch. This couple had gone without having a night out to themselves. So I don't think their child was used to being babysat at all. And they're not used to leaving their kids. So yeah, that, that very well could be a thing. And he also reminded her and like showed her how to lock the front door and was like, when we leave, lock the front door. If anyone comes up, comes up to the front porch for any reason, you need to turn the light on so you can see them. Like was just going over the safety, (sighs) safety precaution. It's so hard because I obviously don't know the
0: end of the story, but you have said it Mm is dark. So I'm assuming it's not a happy ending that it does make me suspicious And easy to say after the fact of like, was this family experiencing something a bit ominous before this evening
1: that prompted these warnings? Yeah. Or did they have a dream? Did they, were they just nervous parents leaving their only child to a 13-year-old babysitter in this new isolated home? Because they recently moved to this really isolated part of town. I think they used to live a bit closer to where there were more like neighborhood type places, but now they're just there's a few houses deep out here on this street, so they're pretty isolated. Yeah. So it's a she. She gets her safety training and her her whatever lock the doors, gun training from the father, and then the parents leave. The Romacks leave for their night out. It was quite cold that night with temperatures below freezing and there was sleeting rain pouring down outside. So it was kind of loud outside. You couldn't really hear anyone like driving up or like things like that happening. So staying inside and watching TV sounded pretty cozy, right? Like there was no need to go outside. And I bet the dance wasn't that fun anyway. I bet a bunch of people skipped it because it was horrible conditions. Whatever. Also, this so she's is the best babysitting situation.
0: Like yeah. in my experience, if the kids you, were already not asleep, you just get to hang and you
1: get paid, like, that's the best. Right. You're mostly house-sitting at that point. Yeah. So yeah, staying in, easy job, kids asleep. She's just going to, like, melt into the couch and watch some TV. The Romacks left, and it's not like they were going to be, I mean, they were going to be out for a while, but it's not like they were at some, like, bar or big party. They were just a little ways down the road, like, on the other side of town or somewhere in that town playing cards at a friend's house. And Anne Romack, she was actually pregnant, also for that reason, I think they hadn't been out for a really long time. So an evening at this friend's house was a very welcomed opportunity for them. They were going to be close by. They were going to call and check on her a few times. This was going to be like a great time to just like bond with a few other couples that they were friends with. Later reports would also say that this evening, in addition to the sleep and the poor conditions, that there was an uneasiness in the air, that a lot of people just felt some sort of spooky vibes happening. But it was also winter. It was dark. The weather was poor. So that could be adding to it. What happens next is not entirely known, but police received a call from a young girl at 10 30 p.m. screaming desperately for help. The last thing said was pleading for them to come quick, and then the line went dead. <gasps> police did not have the technology at the time to trace the call, or at least this station didn't. They weren't able to do anything at all. All they could do was we'll sit and wait for another call to come in. Not long after, Ann Romack called the house to check in on Janet and see how things were going, but she wasn't able to get through because there was a busy signal, but she didn't think much of it. She was like, oh, I'm sure Janet's just on the phone with her friends or her family. You know, she's she's finding things to do to occupy her time awaiting the Romack's return.
0: Okay. So you're, you're saying, so she called the police and said, come quick, mm-hmm. but because they didn't know where the call was coming from.
1: Yes. She would have gotcha. had to give her address for okay. them to know where to go. Okay. So all they knew was someone within the vicinity was in distress, but Jeez. had no other information. Ugh. And then the phone hung up. And then about 15 minutes after that, Anne Romack called and the phone was off the receiver. So it was the busy signal. Oh gosh. that's okay. And she assumed that Janet was just speaking to someone on the phone. Yeah. Around 1.15 AM, the Romacks return home. The French port light was on, which at first they were like, hmm, that's odd because they said, they told her to only turn it on if there was someone at the door. So at first they were like, did someone come to the door? But maybe not thinking too much of it, which is like, maybe she was spooked. Maybe she needed more light. Yeah. They placed their key into the back door and are surprised to find that it's already unlocked. (sighs) So they're like, did she forget to lock the door after we left? Then they enter the home and they are met with a horrifying and heartbreaking scene. And this is a trigger warning here. So skip ahead 30 seconds if you don't want to hear the cause of death. I'm not going to go into too much detail, but I'll give you the gist. In the living room, Janet Chrisman is laying next to the phone. The phone is off the hook. A pool of blood has congealed around her. Her head has been bludgeoned. And a cord of an iron was wrapped around her neck. There was evidence that she had been raped. There were puncture wounds from a small weapon all around her body, mostly around her face and neck region. What? Furniture oh. and decor had been flipped and moved, indicating that there was indeed a big struggle across both the living room and kitchen. Bloody smears and fingerprints went across both rooms as well.
0: Oh, this poor girl. Like, I know. Overkill. Just overkill. so
1: horrendous and it's also i mean that obviously her attack and death is the most upsetting part of this whole thing but what was what i wasn't prepared to see was that in a lot of the articles that i clicked on to read about this they just have the crime scene photo of her it's not like that's really really disturbing. graphic or, or censored i think because it was 70 years ago i don't know if they just don't feel the need to like respect to her and not show her
0: dead body but also internet? corinne i feel like you could search for any crime scene photo like i i do think a lot of them i guess do... i'm just not used to them being readily available
1: like within the i know within, within the, the articles. article was the kid okay yes so okay. they run upstairs and they check on their child and he's asleep in his room he hadn't woken up at all he had no idea an attack occurred how old is he three Jeez. i'm i'm glad that he didn't wake up oh my god i know can you imagine if he came downstairs oh,
0: I hate thinking about that. Or even just heard it, you know, like the the trauma.
1: Right. No, he was three. There was a radio playing Okay. that maybe drowned some of it out. She was screaming bloody murder though, because people on the phone when she called the police, yeah. they heard it. Ugh. So at first glance, it appeared that the attacker gained entry to the home through the window because there was a window near the back door in the living room that had been Broken. And so they're like, oh, they must have gained access by breaking in, climbing through, and then going out the door when they left. So all the Romax know now is that their babysitter has been murdered and it appears someone broke in through the window. And they have no idea who or where, but they immediately phone the police. The police, there's some trouble with this investigation because the Romax's new house is a hundred yards outside. Of city limits. So when they called the city police and the city police responded, the local police that technically had jurisdiction over that area also came and they were kind of battling with each other from the start.
0: Gosh,
1: okay. I know. I know. Because that basically ensures it's gonna be like a botched case. Well, unfortunately.
0: Also, I just wish that it was one of those things where it's like, okay, based on jurisdiction, like easy peasy, hand it over. You do this, like, here's information we've gathered if you need help. Like, I just wish there was more of a collaborative experience in that.
1: Yeah. No, but I mean, <laughs> think about it. We, we talked about the Boston Strangler not too long ago. And that case basically triggered some of the like local Boston and Massachusetts uh, police forces to come together and work together. So it was very much not a thing for a long, long time. So during their investigation, they noticed that the shattered window was not used to enter the home like the Romax assumed when they first saw it. The shards of glass were so jagged that it would have been impossible for a perpetrator to enter or leave through the window without cutting themselves and leaving behind a substantial amount of blood. So, they think it was done to throw the police off their tracks, but it failed. So now they're now they're looking at the crime scene a little bit different. They're like, "Okay, how is this all set up?" So they suspect That the killer must have known Janet or the Romac family. The killer knew how to enter the home easily, or knew Janet and was a trusted person to Janet, and so she willingly let them in. They believe that she let them in through the front door and that the killer exited through the back door, leaving it unlocked, which is what the Romacs had found when they used their key. The and that also would make sense If the lights were turned on in the front door, she opened the front door, closed it, locked it up because it was someone that she trusted. Right. And then went through the house. He murdered her, left through the back door. It's
0: interesting to me because DNA testing was not a thing at this point. So
1: really, not really until like the seventies. Yeah. So I don't know. My
0: very minimal psychological, like forensic science knowledge or forensic psychology, like knowledge I do wonder the shattered window is a weird like that to me makes it seem like there's a lot of thought put into this crime. But then when you look at the way that it happened, either something went wrong based on like if this person had a plan and it went wrong. But it does seem
1: very like chaotic. Right. So at first when they had first seen the the crime scene. They were like, oh, there was a bit of a struggle because the two rooms were ripped apart. And then once they started looking at everything with the window that was shattered and there was like a hoe next to the window outside and the struggle that went across the two rooms, the kitchen and the living room, they realized that basically the place had been ripped apart way more than what made sense for the evidence, the like blood evidence and physical evidence that that took place. So they believe that the killer was attempting to stage a robbery gone wrong. So she probably gotcha. was killed and then things were moved around. The window was shattered, which makes sense if it was someone known to her because she, that person gained entry in the front door, the light was turned on, the door was relocked. The person was in the home interesting, and then probably wanted to make it look like it was no one close to the family or close to Janet. It was just a robbery gone wrong. Which then makes me
0: think, and and perhaps you'll get to this because so, I don't know where the where this goes, but that then makes me think it wasn't premeditated that this person came maybe with the intention to
1: Yeah. Assault I you mean.
0: Yeah. Janet. And then it, it turned into something more they killed Janet. And then after the fact, in this panic and Uh, what do I do? What have I done? What do I do? How do I get away with this? Created this scene.
1: Right. Especially because she had already made a phone, she somehow in the struggle escaped and made a phone call to the police. So it very well could have escalated and wasn't meant to be what it was. Right. But escalated to to stop her and and to get away. Yeah. So there were six investigators, main investigators that were put on the case and they quickly moved to create a list of suspects. Now, unfortunately, there was a lot of racial profiling from people in this area, so there were a lot of names given by just racist neighbors. Fortunately, I don't think many of those people were actually zeroed in on. Good. Which is good. Yeah. Their number one suspect was actually 27 year old Robert Mueller. Mueller was a friend of the Romax, and Janet had babysat for Mueller's family many, many times. Robert Mueller had recently made some creepy comments and made some inappropriate moves, both towards Janet and towards other women in the community. Janet had shared with her friends some of the odd things that Mueller had said to her, and those friends were the ones that came forward and gave his name to the police. And were like, you need to look at this guy as a suspect. So Mueller was very creepily infatuated with Janet. Let me remind you, he's 27 years old. He's a grown adult. She was a 13-year-old child. Mm. He gave her a lot of attention whenever he saw her. He made many suggestive comments. And he had recently made a comment to Ed Romack, the father Who she was babysitting for, about how Janet had such a quote well developed form. Ugh, what a creep! What a creep. Also, two days before the murder, he was working. So Romac worked. He had a few different jobs, but he worked as a tailor as well. So he and Romac had gone to him to have a dress tailored because they were friends, and he basically, while getting her measurements, groped her. Like across the chest, which is something that the Boston Strangler did too. Remember? He would be the measuring man. Ugh. But I mean, it's not obviously not the same person because this is 30 years later in the sky. Yeah, yeah. I think this just is a like, common
0: theme in yeah, like, gross. In gross, creepy,
1: murderous yeah. men. Yeah. So now so obviously he's creepy. Obviously, he's aggressive and is clearly comfortable making these comments to other people and testing things and trying to touch people inappropriately but the question is would would this make sense as an escalation from groping someone during tape measuring and making a creepy comment or a ball he also had a very unhealthy obsession with a child so I don't know so yes to me it was like a to me yes that makes sense to me yes too but other people were like you know they have to they have to think about the psychological profile they're like escalating from saying a creepy comment and touching a boob to full on attack and murder. I also feel like back in I mean even still today like
0: think of locker room talk. There is just so mm-hmm. much and and it was way worse than where yeah. it was like women are, were and are so objectified for their physical presence and almost just like treated like objects rather than right. real live humans with thoughts, emotions, feelings. And their own uh, independence and autonomy, with the, which is way beyond what their physical appearance is. Exactly.
1: Yeah. I think we're in the same camp where we're like, yes, hmm. I think that this could easily escalate. Suspicious. Opportunity arises and someone acts on it. Also, what doesn't help Mueller's case was that earlier that day, he called Janet to see if she was available to babysit his son, she said, no, I'm babysitting for the Romax. So he knew she was going to be babysitting alone at night at the Romax. That's, that's the biggest thing is whoever did this
0: had to know she was going to be babysitting. Had to know.
1: Yep. Had to. Yes. Not only that, but Mueller also was known to carry around a mechanical pencil with him. One of the things that he just always had as a tailor and the puncture from this mechanical pencil pencil would basically match a puncture wound that was found on janet's body around her neck
0: this is why i would be a terrible like investigator because all of this i'm like he did it he did it i have no questions he did it and i know that you have to weigh other options as well but like that that to me is the what's it called the uh the nail in the coffin there's like the um, what's the term There's like something, like the something gun, the... Smoking gun. Is that what it is? Yeah.
1: It's smoking gun or nail in the coffin. Okay. Basically. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Smoking gun. That's the... That's the last thing you needed. Yeah. Yeah. It's crucial. It's basically, it feels... There's a lot of evidence against Bueller that's like this. So yeah. Not only does he have this pencil. What's interesting is that the Muellers and the Romacks were attending the same party. So they were at the same friend's party that night. Which you were like, oh shit, he has an alibi, except not entirely because he excused himself saying that he had to let a doctor in to see his son or something like that. That basically there was some doctor's visit that had been prearranged. So he had to step out. He had to go home, deal with that. He'll come back once it's done. His wife will stay here, hang out, not miss out on the fun. Suspicious. So he left for two hours. Yeah, nope. No, 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 no. Right. And then (laughs) the morning after the murder, Mueller called Ed Romack, the father whose house Janet was killed in, and asked if he needed any help cleaning up the blood. But Mueller hadn't told him about the murder yet, and it hadn't been reported in the newspapers yet. Wait, you mean Womack hadn't told Mueller about the murder yet? Yes. Yeah. So basically, the only people that knew of the murder were investigators and police who were on scene. Again, the Romax, yes. But also, it's a small town, so gossip could have spread. Sure. But did Mueller return
0: to the party after his two hour disappearance? Did. Was yep. he wearing the same
1: clothes? I don't know. Okay. It wasn't anywhere, but I don't think, aside from his absence, it seemed like in the articles that I read, the only suspicious thing was his absence. So I don't think there was anything else that would indicate something was wrong, but I also don't know. Because you know what? He could have changed and been like, yeah, well, my son got sick on me, you know? I had Mm -hmm. to change my shirt. He he got a little sick. He threw up a little bit. No one would ever question that, especially when people have young kids. Yeah. But after the fact, people would question that, at least. Right. And I don't know. There wasn't enough information. And that's another tough thing about this. There's these two articles that were in the newspaper that have most of the information. And then there's like a few other articles that kind of fill in some of the gaps. But there's largely not a ton of information on this. And I'll tell you why we can't find it at the end, which is also upsetting. Okay. Yeah. So Mueller, whether it through gossip or his own hand, he knows about the murder. And then Robert Mueller also talked to Ed Romack about his thoughts, about Mueller's thoughts on the crime and how it would have been easy to just gain entry to say, Ed sent me to get poker chips. So he was theorizing about this horrific crime that took place at his good friend's house that resulted in the murder of both his and his friend's babysitter, which is sick. Yes. So I was like, is he just, is it just like a morbid curiosity? Is this his way of dealing with it? Or is he trying to insert himself a little bit into the crime? Is he trying to relive it? Relive it. Show everyone how smart he was and how dumb they were. Right? So police, they bring Mueller in. There's clearly enough on him. They bring him in and they ask him to take a lie detector test. He's like, of course, I'll take a lie detector test. He's happy. Which we know are not real, like, they're not great evidence. Not reliable at all. No. He's happy. He's eager to clear his name. Absolutely. I will take a lie detector test. Apparently, this was a very, like, brutal interrogation. They took him off site, so it wasn't... They took him to like some random barn or something and interrogated him all night long with the interrogation and the lie detector test and all this stuff. So basically, number one, they were botching the investigation by doing all these things that weren't legal. They're both, yeah, not above board. Yep. And then number two, they did all of these things that would, you would assume he would have cracked or that he would have been fed some sort of information or basically like, I'm sure the lie detector test wouldn't be able to be used in court against him anyway, by the way that it was conducted, but it didn't matter because he passed. So it's interesting because it, that that means they were fully convinced
0: he did it as well. Like, yeah. Like we are.
1: Yeah. And I was also like, okay, well, was the pencil just too common of a pencil to be used as evidence against... Is this just like the, you know, you can never use a Ticonderoga number two pencil or whatever to convict someone because it's like everyone has one. Yeah. Not so not so much anymore, but yeah, yeah. Not so much anymore, but still, yes. So there was a lot of police misconduct during this investigation, which actually resulted in Mueller not being tried for the murder. And in fact, he himself sued the police. He didn't win the lawsuit, but he did sue for all of the things that they did that were not
0: okay. I mean, it sounds like they wanted a confession because confessions yeah. basically make it, you know, there's no there's no contesting a confession.
1: Right. Uh I know, but then there's all those false confessions. So much that we know now that they didn't know 73 years ago. Yeah. When this yeah happened. You're right. Okay, so very frustrating. They didn't get the conviction they're watching a murderer go free. But what's interesting is, here's just a small amount of doubt that I'll put in your head that maybe it wasn't Mueller. Four years earlier, 20-year-old Mary Lou Jenkins was murdered in a similar manner, less than a mile away, while she was home alone. So she was home alone. Her dad was out on business. Her mom was spending the night next door tending to this elderly couple because her mom was a nurse. And so she and her mom had this Deal basically in place that was like, okay, if anything goes wrong, her mom was going to keep looking out the window at the house and make sure that she was all set. But if something went wrong, if she was scared, or if something went amiss, she should turn the lights on, open the shades, and call next door, and her mom will come over right away. So late that evening, after checking the house multiple times and nothing being wrong, Mary Lou's mom notices that the lights are on, the shades are up, but she hadn't called. I don't know what her mom's train of thought was. But despite two out of the three things happening that was like supposed to be the warning to her mom, her mom was just like, she must be fine. She didn't call me. The next morning, her mom returns and she finds Mary Lou had been attacked and murdered in the same way that Janet would be four years later. And an extension cord was also used. Mechanical pencil, too? No, no mechanical pencil. So during this investigation, two neighbors said that they heard a scream around 10.15. So this is around the same time of Janet's attack as well, four years later.
0: But that's not uncommon because it's nighttime. It's like, that's the time to do, commit a crime in like the darkness
1: of night. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's when young girls are, their parents are out And so that would make sense. I mean, despite her, yeah, it would make sense. And so people were like, could this have been Robert Mueller or is this someone else? And here's what makes me question if it is someone else. A week before Janet babysat, so so someone was murdered in a similar fashion four years earlier, then Janet is murdered four years later. But a week before Janet was murdered... One of her friends, Lois Terry, had been babysitting in the same area and heard a knock at the door. She approached the front door and she peeked out, finding a strange man standing outside in a gray overcoat, black leather gloves, and a gray felt hat that was pulled down to cover most of his face. He had a deep cleft chin and through the door, the man asked to speak to the man of the house. Immediately feeling uneasy about the stranger on the stoop, She said that no one was able to come to the door and basically wouldn't open the door to him. She kept all of the doors and windows locked. She grabbed a large butcher knife from the kitchen and she just sat there with it and held it all night until the parents got home from her babysitting job. And then a few days later, Janet is killed and this woman refuses to ever babysit again. She was one of Janet's friends, went to the same school. But why would Janet have let a man like that in? good question. I do not know. But what I do know is that Lois had experienced this. And then many years later, when she is an adult, she's married and she has kids, she's out and about running errands or doing something. And she runs into a friend from her childhood neighborhood. And the woman is with her husband. And the woman goes to introduce Lois and her husband to each other. And Lois is transported back to that night when the strange man was standing on the other side of the door. Of the home where she babysat because this was that man. She was standing here staring into the eyes of that stranger who came to her home, the home where she babysat in the middle of the night, and now he was standing there looking at her married to one of her old friends. So Lois wasn't the only one who thought this man could be involved. The police actually thought this man could be involved too. What's his name? It's not available. Oh, interesting. I kind of think maybe he had something to do with the police force or was somehow like being protected because Lois came with this information or the identity because now she she knew the guy's name because he was married to her friend or old acquaintance. So she went to the police after much deliberation and the discouragement of her own husband who didn't want to get like wrapped up in everything again. She did go to the police and basically tell them this, or at least an investigative journalist. She went to someone. But all those years before, 10, 15 years before, police dogs who were brought to the scene, these bloodhounds that went to investigate right after Janet Crispin was murdered, they picked up a scent on the property of a stranger. They followed this scent, the dogs did, half a mile away to this same man's house, the one that Lois saw in the trench coat with the cleft chin. It was not Robert Mueller. It was the man who stood outside of that house that night that Lois saw him. And I do not know why he was not pursued as a suspect, which is why I think he was somehow involved in the police force. And his name is also not publicly available, which is more of the reason why I think he was involved in the police force. He was being protected. Interesting. All I know is that he and his wife have since passed away. This man was also known to have a criminal record. So journalists have been hopeful that his record... And fingerprints that were taken at the scene can be run and we can see if there's a match, if this is finally the resolve everyone's been looking for. But then don't you think that would have happened by now? No, because the records for the case are missing. Oh my God. No one knows where the evidence is on all the other information. So right now there are investigative journalists who are working with law enforcement to try to go through these massive storage units to see if they can find all of the missing case files and evidence they're not going to find it there's no I way know, because that, he was that, definitely in the police he was that in is missing it's destroyed gosh dang it I, I know karen you've been on a uh true crime kick lately i know i, know. I almost i almost punted this for a while. Cause I was like, well, I just did the Boston Strangler and we don't normally do things so murdery. So I felt sorry. Well, this is an
0: urban legend that everyone, it's er, an urban legend, inspired an urban legend that everyone is familiar with. But now mm-hmm. I am like torn and I do see, this is again, why I would not be a good cop. Cause I'd be like, <laughs> but it's hard. Cause Robert Mueller in my, in my perspective has like there's so many things that point to him and he had motive. He had a weird, sick infatuation with Janet and knew she was alone. The mechanical pencil, like he had groped her. All of those things add up to me. But then it does infuriate me that we don't know this other man's name or any information that would allow us to like
1: put together more pieces. Exactly. It's hard because it's like when you're just told the facts, It makes sense that it would be Robert Mueller. All signs point to him. But the scent that the dogs picked up, Mm -hmm. the criminal record, and the experience that another babysitter had a few days before all point to this other guy. So there's like two people who could easily, if you and I were the ones trying them, put them both in the jail.
0: (laughs) I'm just curious what this other man's crimes were. Like what else? I think it was. It was not
1: to the extent of crime. Well, of course not if he was... But it was some, I think there were some, like, inappropriate sexual misconduct and probably some, like, exposure, at least things like that. Not that they're nothing, but, like, it's not an R word in murder. I do wonder if he has a criminal record.
0: We know the area in which this took place. If you could look back, like, you know, hopefully not a ton of people involved in the police force in some way, or even just like federal or government type of agency. Like I think of like firefighters too, you know, they they have access and are really close knit with the police. Like I imagine there aren't that many from this time period that have a criminal record that maybe that can help narrow it down.
1: Yeah. I also wonder too, now that you're saying this, so both both the Romax and the Muellers, they both left, moved away from this area after this crime happened. And I'd be curious to know if wherever the Muellers ended up, like I think the Romax went to like Alaska and the Muellers went to Idaho or I don't know, s- somewhere. But I'm curious if wherever the Muellers ended up, if there was another crime that started once every five years there, or if Mrs. Mueller. Knew anything if she started to be have like a growing suspicion towards her husband with like an if he had another odd infatuation. It's almost reminding me of the show you, where it's like the the main character in you. No matter where he goes, he has this fixation and fascination with someone. And so I'd be curious if it was Mueller. I would assume that that would continue, but then it's also hard because we have people like the Golden State Killer or. Dennis Rader, BTK, who, who pause all of the, they do horrific crimes. Boom, 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 boom. And then suddenly take a 20 year hiatus and like start a and family. Start and yeah. So it's not like it's always this, this thing bubbling up inside someone that they can't control. Sometimes they very much do. So perhaps it was Mueller and he never did a single thing again. Cause he's like, I got away with it once. What are the chances I can get away with it again? Probably not good. Or maybe it wasn't him. And it just, he was just a little too
0: creepy. I mean, he definitely was creepy. That, that I feel confident to convict him of is creepiness. But I guess it is not fair to, without a trial, convict someone of a crime. So I will not, even though I did earlier. At this moment, I will not. <laughs> it's just, it is really, really sad. And I think, yeah, I mean, it's devastating. And, and I also feel like this is not the only story where a babysitter has been attacked.
1: No, definitely not. It's, it's a, unfortunately, it's an opportunity for people with nefarious intentions. Uh, and unfortunately for Janet Crispin, this, her life ended because of it. She was just a few days away from her 14th birthday. And this still is a cold case to this day. And her murder has, turned, as we know, into an urban legend and also inspired many movies. Like you were saying, it's When a Stranger Calls, it's Halloween, Halloween. it's um, Scream, The scary Sitter, movie. Black yeah. Christmas, so all many. Those. Yeah, But that's where it comes from. It's not just a scary story in a book. It's someone's real-life horror movie that they themselves lived.
0: I also appreciate you sharing it because you know I've heard that urban legend I, we've seen all we've all seen those movies not well, maybe not all of us but like we've seen those movies and I had no idea where it came right? from
1: right me neither because it just feels like such a scary thing that you would assume someone's mind would come up with it anyway because it's you know it's like when you're babysitting you, it's on your mind like what if someone breaks in what if you go through worst case scenarios because it's kind of scary being in someone's house at night alone yeah I agree watching law and order svu which is yeah. what I would do which is why I was scared <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, all these attacks on children. I'm a child. This could happen to me. Yes. I mean,
0: I feel like any scary thing, I, I immediately think like, "Would th- could this happen to me? And how do I protect myself? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And babysitting is creepy already.
1: Babysitting is creepy.
0: I actually posted on our Patreon asking people for their creepy babysitting stories. And not only just like, you know, ghostly paranormal ones, but creepy kids because... Kids say really creepy things. There's also parents that can be nightmarish when you're babysitting for them. Like, there's just a lot of stories that can come out of babysitting experiences. So, have we gotten
1: any yet? Yes. Do we have an inbox? I call? have two. I have two that nice. I'm going to read because Perfect. why not? Why not? We have okay. Time. How much time do we have? Unlimited. We make the rules. Here. We
0: make the rules. I'm gonna read- As long as our recorders have battery, that's how long we have. Well, mine's plugged into the computer, so I have forever. I'm gonna read one from MJ. It is called, The Man Is Scaring Me. (gasps) what an ominous title. I also appreciate that Leia replaced my alien and was like, excuse me, I'm the alien in your life. (laughs) I will come sit in your lap. You will pet me as you read your ghost story. Sweet giddy. Yeah. Okay, hi ladies. After listening to other stories on the podcast, I felt inspired to share my own experience from when I was in my teens. We all remember those creepy movies about a babysitter in a house. Maybe it's just me, but I swear there's a lot of stories out there. Well, when I was probably 16 years old, I started babysitting for a family in my neighborhood. They had just moved in shortly before I started babysitting and they had a four to six month old daughter. From the very first time I babysat for them, it was as if I was being watched the entire time I was there. It was this weird feeling that I couldn't shake. No matter where I was in the house, it felt as if someone else was in the room with us, even if it was just me and the little girl. Oh, I didn't want to be there after dark, and I never wanted to be there alone. The baby's toys would start playing or going off randomly when no one was in the room. And every now and then, they would ask me to pet their two dogs and I never wanted to stay long because of the feelings I got. I would feed the dogs as fast as I could and get the hell out of there. Oddly enough, the dogs never seemed to act funny or weird, so I kept trying to tell myself it was nothing and that I was just overreacting. Anything for money, right? (laughs) So I continued to babysit for this family as the little girl grew, and she was maybe two or three years old when the most memorable experience occurred. One night, I was babysitting her and we were finding things to do. And I thought it would be a good idea to go down to the basement and play with Play-Doh. I know, creepy basement. But actually, this was a nice basement with a couch, TV, bar area, and bathroom.
1: Mm -hmm. That does sound nice. Finished basement, that's a rarity. Finished or unfinished, I think they're still creepy. They're still creepy. But normally, finished basements have, it's like, come play foosball and ping pong. And there's at least some things to try to occupy yourself. Definitely. So they went in willingly, no one was forcing them into b The little girl
0: had a play area down there with all sorts of toys and games. She was now getting to the point where she could speak and tell me what she wanted to do and what she wanted to play. So we were down in the basement at the play table and I pulled out all the different Play-Doh molds and colors and we had just started playing when all of a sudden she started acting weird and got all quiet. She asked to sit on my lap, so she came over and sat with me and immediately she said, the man is scaring me." Oh, no. Hell no. At first I thought I didn't hear her correctly. Just, you know, baby babble. So I asked her what she said and in a very clear voice she said, the man is scaring me. Oh, poor baby. I looked around and there was no one in the room with us. No man that I could see. So I asked if she wanted to go back upstairs and she said yes and proceeded to run upstairs, leaving me alone with the Play-Doh in the basement. I couldn't just leave the Play-Doh out, so I cleaned it up as quickly as I could and ran after her. I asked the parents when they got home that night if she had acted weird like that before and they just brushed it off as no big deal. They were obviously not freaking out like I was, but me, being the ghost believer that I am, was determined to sage the place. Obviously I couldn't do it while I was babysitting, so the next time they asked me to dog-sit, I found some shredded sage in their spice cabinet and burned it like incense in a shell. It was not burning very well, but I kept moving around the house asking whatever was there to move on and only positive energy to remain. I never told them that I saged their house while they were out of town, but they didn't seem to notice anything when they got back. And the next time I babysat for them, it was as if the energy in the house was a lot lighter, and I no longer felt like I was being watched while I was there. I don't know if it was my half-assed sage effort or just my intentions that I set, but something changed. Not long after that, they moved to a new house, but I will always remember what happened that one night while babysitting. Thanks for all you do, MJ. God,
1: MJ. I also just love the, you know, some kids get in trouble for doing things without having permission and graffitiing and trespassing, and MJ is just... Gorilla saging. saging. <laughs> <laughs> just like, get cleansed, get cleansed, get, get cleansed. cleansed. Get cleansed. We need to make Okay, that, that is so creepy. I know. I am freaked out by that because at first I was thinking with all the games going off and just feeling like they're being watched, I was like, oh, perhaps it's another child another their spirit of a kid who's just trying to hang out and play and sees the babysitter and is like, oh, I want some attention and to hang out and play with you too. Like you're doing so many fun activities. But the fact that the little girl was scared and called it a man, not like the little boy or the kid or the baby, the man is scaring me. I so badly would, I mean,
0: obviously it's so easy to say now because I'm not in that situation. I wasn't in that situation, but I so badly wish MJ had been like, where is the man? What's the man doing? Like, I want the information. And that's just me selfishly being like, I want more. But I also
1: understand the flight reaction. Goodbye. Well, remember, I think I talked about this in a few times on the podcast, but remember my friend Brianna, one of her high school friends was babysitting and took a picture of the little girl and saw a man. In yes. a suit with a briefcase walking yes. behind and thought someone had broken in. And then the parents later told her their house was haunted. And when Brianna was showing us all the photo or like freshman year of college, I was like, Who's the woman in the sweatsuit at the at the stove? And they're all like, What? No one had noticed that woman because it was it was a very ghostly image of the woman at the stove and a very clear image of Which, the Which so everyone the looked at the man. Yeah. Yeah. So this little girl that was that she was babysitting was just living amongst this whole party of ghosts. It does seem like they were good
0: and they were just, you know, maybe this couple that used to live in the home. Also, there was just a moment right before you were talking about the photo that the entire frequency in this space shifted. How so? You know like, you know when you hear a high pitched frequency? Yeah. Mm-hmm. it almost shifted to a lower frequency like i felt like the whole atmosphere shift
1: hmm interesting i don't know enough about frequencies but i i hope whatever frequency is there an app to hear what frequency the world around you is because i feel like that would be good to have if we know the healing frequencies and like where our vibrations should be cuz i was thinking about that i was like i was thinking about this earlier cuz of course i saw on tiktok all about healing frequencies, and I was like, "I struggle so much with sleep. You struggle way more than I struggle with, with sleep. And I wonder if there's something, some sort of frequency that we could just play better sleep, dude. Better sleep has frequencies. Oh, you they can have frequency. They have like a there healing one. They
0: have a dream like i I've never gotten one. past all of the like they have vacuum and
1: ocean noises. <laughs> they I'd have like all to do of those. Them. Okay, I have to try that.
0: That was weird. It doesn't feel I negative or weird. anything. It's just like a, it was like a, my body physically reacted to something. Okay. I have one more story. Okay. It is from our listener, Katie, and it is called Creepy Babysitting. And I believe that this was inspired by my Patreon post because it was sent yesterday. Hello. My name is Katie, and I've been listening since 2020. I have many stories to tell, but for today, I will just tell Creepy Babysitting. And if this came in not related to my post on Patreon, I will, that is shocking. Anyway, I have been babysitting since I was 13 years old and have taken care of many creepy kids. Because let's be real, all children are creepy. Many years ago, I was watching two kids, a brother and sister. The boy had a stuffed tiger named Sammy, who he took everywhere with him. He would talk to the tiger all the time, and the tiger would talk out loud to him in a growling voice. At first, we thought he was being cute and funny, but soon it became creepy. He would say, Sammy does not like something or Sammy wants you to do this. Soon he was making Sammy talk to us and would have us talk to Sammy. Mm,
1: This is a startling escalation.
0: One night while I was watching him and his sister, I kept finding Sammy in odd places staring at me. They shared a room and had a bunk bed. The boy and Sammy slept on the top bunk and I had to lay on the bottom bunk with his sister. It started with me having to say goodnight to Sammy. Then Sammy had to lean over the railing so he could watch me. Then I was told that Sammy loved my hair and my skin and wished I was sleeping over. I told Sammy that that was nice of him and told the boy to go to sleep. They both soon went to sleep and I sat in the living room waiting for the parents to come home. That was the last time I babysat for them. My other creepy babysitting story is about a family of two boys who I have been watching since before the second was born. One day, I went over to their house to watch the boys and was introduced to a new doll that the younger one had just got. It was a vintage American girl doll, and when I said, oh, I have the same doll, I call her Samantha. He says to me, oh, mine likes to be called Bamantha Emily, and she's my new friend. His mom tells me that his aunt was buying some dolls for her daughters when she told her that he needs the doll because she will be sad without him. He then tells me that Bamantha wants me to bring my doll next time because she needs friends. He also says that she likes my hair. His older brother then comes over and tells me that the doll can't go in the basement because that's where George and Georgina are locked up because they're in trouble for throwing glass.
1: Glass? No, this is so bad. Also, I want to see this person's hair because maybe they do have great hair. Yeah, Katie, do you have great hair? I'm sure you do if all these
0: spirits think so. I know. S then tells me that Bamantha only likes nice people and sometimes throws food. When I put S to bed that night, she told me that Bamantha had to sit in her own chair or Bamantha would start to yell. So as I sit with S until they fall asleep, That doll sat and stared at me until I left the bedroom. The next time I babysat, the older brother informed me that George and Georgina were released from the basement and they were sent away. Oh. S then informed me that Bamantha has to stay in the closet because she talks too much, but we can't shut the door or she will get mad. I hate that closet because every time I put him to bed, that doll is staring at me the whole time. See
1: you on the other side, Katie. Okay, Katie. (laughs)
0: What the hell?
1: This is so spooky. And how, where did George and Georgina go? Like, were they they vanished and like taken by a- another spirit? Or did they get to move on somehow?
0: Or did Bamantha say, be gone, this is my home now?
1: How did Bamantha get their name?
0: I don't know. It does seem like a, a kid made it up, but the, the spirit probably was like, That's, I'm good with that.
1: Yeah. This is too many... Also, I'm starting I'm starting to blame Katie a little bit. <laughs> I know I was just going to say is... a lot of a lot of toys responding to Katie mm-hmm. at babysitting jobs.
0: And yeah, they're both they're both Sammy and Bamantha. like and they both like Katie's hair, which almost makes me think it's the same spirit that follows Katie. And yeah. finally <laughs> with these kids, it has a vessel to communicate or maybe the spirit follows Katie, but then when Katie's at homes of children, the, like the spirit's like, oh, I like it here. I'm going to stay here for a little while.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like once is a paranormal experience and twice you're haunted, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, fool me once, shame on you.
0: Fool me twice, shame on me kind of situation. Possessed.
1: Possessed get blessed katie get blessed get a uh, wait no what are we saying get cleansed well i liked it if you're possessed get blessed get, if you're possessed get blessed
0: <laughs> if you i'm trying to think what the right what rhyme would be if you something get cleansed like get it like if you're possessed get blessed that's like a nice thing but if you're um this isn't rhyme. but if you're a b-i-t-c-h
1: get cleansed get cleansed i'm seriously we, we said that I don't know how many episodes ago, but I'm seriously making it a regular part of the English language. Get cleansed. Get cleansed. Mm, get cleansed.
0: I feel like that should be our Somebody response to like,
1: to I feel
0: like we should, after every story we read, either say like, get blessed, get cleansed. Like our, it's like, it's like our, um, like our ranking. Our,
1: yeah. Yeah. Like we have different yeah. rankings of story levels. And what they need are the people in them. So, Katie, you need to you need to get blessed. I think <laughs> <laughs> something's following you, or just yes. your presence just brings forth creepy kids. Yeah, somehow you're summoned to all the creepiest babysitting jobs out there. I do wonder if Katie ever if Katie ever wants
0: their own children. If perhaps Katie will have the creepiest of kids.
1: Yeah, maybe it will be a rule.
0: No toys, <laughs> zero toys for children. Zero toys. You will play with
1: wooden sticks. <laughs> what's the what's the the holiday movie? The Disney movie? It's like old claymation, and it's like the the hamburger, my, hamburger meister. Is that what his name is? I've never seen this. <laughs> Something like that, but he's like no toys for kids. I'm with one foot in front of the other. It's about it's about how Santa Claus comes to be it's his origin oh, his origin story that's not disney did i say disney i, I thought, thought i said disney, christmas oh i thought you said disney maybe here's the thing there was a lot there were multiple alleys in my brain just being opened at once because all the little men were scrambling to go through the file cabinets being like what the hell is the name of this movie i know I exactly what you're talking about it's like always play it's like uh, it was made around the same time that Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was in made. In the year without
0: a Santa Claus, like all of those classics.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I what love the claymation ones. Is it something St. Nicholas? I'm going to tell you because we can't leave without knowing. No, I agree. I agree. The Burgermeister, not the Hamburgermeister. That's burg- my meister. childhood brain remembering it. The Burgermeister is in the movie Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Oh, there we go. And it was in 1970. But if you had quizzed me on this, I would have said it was made long before that.
0: I know. I would have said like 50s for sure. Yeah, me too. It has that vibe. It also makes me think of um, the newest Toy Story where it's like the the fork or spork toy. Like, I haven't seen it. (laughs) All right. You have
1: homework. I'll watch it.
0: You have homework. I know. Get cleansed, Corinne.
1: Come on. I, I think this this is a very appropriate time to tell me to get cleansed.
0: <laughs> Yikes. Alrighty, if you have any creepy stories from babysitting, not even just paranormal, but like horror stories from babysitting, please email them to us at two girls one ghost podcast at gmail.com. This actually makes me think we are a horror podcast or ish. We're, you know, I don't know what we categorize ourselves as. Um sometimes it's comedy. I don't know. Like, I almost feel like we should do an encounters episode that's not paranormal per
1: se, but just like horror stories from life. Yes. I'm so down. I'm so down for that. I mean, those are some of my favorite episodes from Radio Rental are the ones that are just like, this is weird. And all these women are wearing wigs. (laughs) Why? Well, why not?
0: (laughs) Why not? Come see us live. Join us on our tour. Two Girls, One Ghost at The Conjuring House. There is going to be so much. And also, if you want to join our Patreon, we're going to do some vlogs and stuff while we are on the road and um, have those accessible to the $10 tier and up. So join us for the journey. Get some extra behind-the-scenes content and also just get lost in the triangle. Join the pyramid
1: scheme. Get lost in the triangle. All of those things. Yes. Yeah. You know how to support us. You've been supporting us, and we hope that you still support us by buying <laughs> ticket to, to, to the live show, and we'll see you there. Shout out to Christina, who edits our podcast, both the video on YouTube and the audio that you're hearing here, and the ad-free episodes that you find on yes. Patreon. Thank you, Christina. And, and we will see you on the other side. side. Very smooth.